It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, Thomas. Hi, Scott. How are you? Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for joining me this morning or this evening. Finally. Yes, this is a long time, and we're just going to go right into this discussion. And we're not we're not live, as as uh, you you probably may not know, but uh, listeners to our podcast know um, we record these ahead of time. But I'm really excited today to have Thomas Manessi, also known as a Congo Nature Photography. Um, he's done some amazing stuff on Instagram in his uh, country and. Uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. And Thomas, thanks for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me in the podcast. I'm very, very glad to be part of the adventure and of the podcasts of uh, the teams. Thank you yeah. very much. Oh, you're welcome. And, and, and you know, we've, we've always seen your photos for some time now. You and I have exchanged uh, correspondence and you've sent us some amazing pictures from the Congo, from the Lufimi River and some of the areas that you've traveled to. And if it's possible, could you just give everybody a little background about you? You have an interesting background. Not only are you a, a great nature photographer, but you're actually a, quite a, a motorcycle uh, professional and do a lot of traveling <laughs> there. So can you maybe just give us a quick quick uh, little bio on you? Because I think people would like okay, to hear okay, that. Okay, no, no, no problem. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm Thomas Milesi. I'm 25 years old and I'm born and raised in DRC. I'm Italian with a French, uh, French education. So that's, that's why my English is not perfect and that I have a, a French accent in my, in my English. It's fantastic. So, so sorry if I mispronounce some words or name or things like that sometimes i do that all the time and i'm a native english speaker so don't worry about that (laughs) um so yeah just just to be clear with the the people hearing me i'm I'm not a fish specialist at all i'm just someone who love fishes love uh, nature and i love photography i started doing photography not uh, at a professional level at all uh, since I think now three to four years. And uh, so um, as God says, as I'm living in Congo, I have access to the Congo River every weekend. I have a boat and we go with family on the Pool Malebo. So the, that's why you have many times picture of the Pool Malebo, but we go around Kinshasa also uh, on the Bateke Highland where you have those Black River, uh, that those Beautiful Black River, like yeah. the Lufimo River or the Bombolomene River that you can see on my pictures. So um, I've, I've, um, if, since I'm a kid, I'm going in these places. So I, I know the places. I like the places. I've always been in nature. Um, as Scott also said, so I'm riding bicycle, uh, motorcycle. We're doing races in uh, here in DRC, and I'm in charge of the the motorbike uh, club association. Um, I don't know what one is. Cool. I can say. You've got, no, you've got an amazing background. And what's really cool is that you're, you're not an aquarist per se. You're, you're a nature lover. 
and your perspective on this stuff is really interesting for those of us that are both nature lovers and aquarium, you know, fish people uh, to see the photos that you take, um, particularly the ones of the environments that the fishes are found in. It's really been uh, amazing, a big influence on so many people. Um, we, I can't tell you how many people, when they see your pictures that we share, get so excited because they, they, they're just, you have a, an ability to look at the environment and somehow capture the most interesting part of it in your pictures. You do that really well. And people really oh, thank like you. that. Thank you very much for the, the kind words. Um, and I would really appreciate also if um, people can write me and tell me, look, we would like to see m more these kind of pictures or more uh, underwater picture. Or no, we want more of the shoreline and things like that. This, this will help. This will help very much for me also to, to have better direction of what people want to see. Um, just to correct, just to correct something, um, I'm an aquarist. In fact, I. Oh, you are an aquarist. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not My maybe apologies. at a high level, but in fact, um, I my first aquarium I had it since uh, 1991, I think, or 19. I've always had um, aquarium, uh, even when I was moving, because you know, in Congo we have the war. So, um, so I had to live in uh, in France, and even in France, I had an aquarium. I went to live in Belgium also. So everywhere I went, I always had an aquarium. And yeah. in fact, I started to. I never had a, a biotop aquarium when I was young. Let's say until twenty eight years old or something like that. Mm -hmm. Then I started to do aquascaping, but aquascaping was uh, not very. It was challenging of course but then i was looking at the nature i was living around right and and i said why i don't do biotop aquariums and then i i saw i was on ucaps.org uk aquatic mm -hmm. aquatic plant society yes and i saw a picture of uh, george farmer of his blackwater aquarium and i was like quite impressed of the color of the water and i said no it's exactly the same color of the river i can see around me right and then i saw the tint and we started to talk yes and i started to do pictures uh, i think you, you 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 were one you were the one who who bring me brought me to do this kind of picture and share <laughs> i think now it's more than two years we speak together yes yes and, and and it's been too long to to have talked and not had you on the podcast so i'm glad to have you on what's really yeah i'm really, I'm really cool. sorry about that no no that's that's me i know we both live busy lives and with the COVID, it's been kind of a crazy year now one thing that is interesting to me is uh, and and for some reason i never thought of you as an aquarist i just think you was as a photographer and nature enthusiast and you're right so i'm going to ask you a question now has living near all these really beautiful environments and getting to see them on a real intimate level has that changed the way you approach setting up and you know not just aquascaping but running your aquariums and putting the types of fish in there are you keeping fishes from the your 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 home country or are you what do you, what kind uh, so of aquariums do you that, that's something that's something quite weird i, I had the discussion with a friend uh, last month and he's living here he's an aquarist also and he's telling mm -hmm. me but thomas i don't understand why uh, we have so much fishes around us why are you not doing Congolese biotope, and I start laughing. <laughs> and, I, 
And I told him, yeah, you're true. It's not normal that I don't do that. But I think the, the human, one of the human base is always to go toward the things they don't have. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately for, yep. unfortunately for the human. I agree. And we do the same thing here in the United States. Native American fishes are not kept very often. But they're they're just not very popular, even though we have some interesting ones. So it it's it's but, pretty much everywhere around the world. People just sort of take for granted at, at what's exactly. there, I guess. Um, exactly. But, you, but to, to come back to your to your yeah. question, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seeing all those uh, aquatic habitats since three years now, let's say 2017, 2018, that I started to mm-hmm. look into the biotop aquarium. Uh, yeah, it has influenced me a lot in setting my aquariums. Uh, something very, very, very easy uh, that now I'm doing almost on all my aquarium is that uh, my aquarium have so you have the, the sand on the bottom, then the mm-hmm. water with the plants and branches. And something that I do now is that I have terrestrial plants on top of my aquarium. Oh, nice! I, ne- I never did that before. And it's since I went to Lake, uh, the river Foix, all those rivers around. And I was saying like, all the rivers on the river, on the, I don't know if you say the river bank. Mm-hmm. Yes. They have plants that cover the, the water. So I said, it should be like that. Fishes will behave better like that because it, they will have cover on top and everything. And so now every time I do a tank, Every time there must be plants on top. I don't know why. <laughs> well, <laughs> because you see it all the time. It makes sense now. Yeah, it makes sense for me. And even with the the wood position in the in the aquarium, um, I used to to place more on the extreme left or extreme right. Artistically, uh, and, yeah, artistically more aquascaping wise. Right uh, now, I've completely change i'm not uh, looking very much in the aquascaping because when you look into nature it's not perfect when right like aquarium we see uh, in the aquascaping uh, i want everyone to hear that <laughs> that was really important a really important point that you just said and um, now it's just like i know when i set up the aquarium i put like 10 branches mm-hmm. and then i will let them sink how they are i will agen- arrange a bit and then maybe one month after, if I want more tannins or things like that, I just throw other other pieces of wood. And with the flow and everything gets stuck in the, uh, the prime uh, hardscape of wood. And that's how it works in nature. So I think it's perfect to throw some small pieces of wood that will sink one or two weeks after and release tannin. Right. There's a certain random pattern that nature brings to things that we just we we try to duplicate it sometimes the best thing is to literally just throw some stuff in there isn't it and just see what it sink and what it accumulate exactly now so yeah it has influenced me well you know i was going to say you a lot of the photos that you've taken and some of the some of my favorite shots that you take not only are showing that the riverbanks and and the, the shoreline but you also do these photos that I know our mutual friend Ty Streitman takes too, where you take sort of above and below at the same time. So you're below yeah. the water and above. And those are really interesting uh, for those of us that like to, you know, replicate these types of environments because they give a really cool perspective of what's going on below and how the land and the water are linked together. Mm-hmm. 
and I think that's really interesting. Have you, um, do you have a favorite um, place that you go to where you take a lot of your pictures? I know you just went on a little trip and uh, you've shared a few of those amazing photos with us. So do you have a particularly favorite spot that you go to? Mm, not really. Um, the Pool Malebo, we go, as, as I told you, we go very, very often because mm-hmm. um, in fact, all the Sunday, uh, there are there's on the pool, uh, Malebo pool you have some sand islands, so we leave the town with the boat and you, I don't know you drive the boat for like twenty minutes and then you are on that on these amazing islands. Oh, wow. uh, so that's a play I of place I often go. I don't have really a, a favorite place. I think if I have to choose around Kinshasa, my favorite place would be um, on the Lufimi River. At the Amani farm, I think I've posted pictures of uh, a small spring full of Anubias. Yes, you have. Uh, I think, yeah, that could be one of my favorite places. Not, not because of uh, fishes or plants, but because it's a very harmonious place. You have very clear water. You can go with your family. You can swim. Uh, you can, it's, it's, it's very small. Huh? It's like, let's say, it's like a a small swimming pool, oh, wow. but the place is just, the color of the water, the color of the sand, the gravels, and and the plants. I think it's an amazing place to make pictures. Yeah, and you, that's why it could be my favorite one. Well, you know, you took some amazing pictures. But you've shared with us some of the ones from the Lufimi River, and also I think from the Lupore before, which is yeah. really amazing. One of the pictures that you took recently, and I hope uh, I'm going to ask you permission to share it uh, on, uh, at some point. You took a picture. You where can you, share whatever you want. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Thank you. You took a picture where you literally put your hand in the water, grabbed some sand off the bottom. And it was yeah. really, and I think that was a really amazing picture for, for those of us that want to replicate these types of habitats to see this is what the bottom looks like. It's this kind of a, I don't, what, what is it, sort of a gravel or is it more of like a sand or so it was. It's a. It, it's a mix. That was in the Lopori River. In fact, just mm-hmm. to come back uh, on on what question you say. Yeah, I just came back from a, uh, a trip. Um, my fam- my mother was the founder of uh, the Bonobos um, Orphelina. I don't know if you have heard about Bonobos. Yes. Uh, yes. So if you have heard about Bonobos, then it's my mother. Oh and wow. So, just to be short, so the people can understand why I went to that place in the Lopori River. So my mother have a, a place where she gets the orphelin bonobos. Then she creates group of bonobos for 10 to 15 years. And after they take a group of 15 to 20 bonobos, they bring back to the natural habitats and they release them in the nature. Oh, wow. That's cool. So... Um, in fact, my sister is working there and my brother-in-law also, he's the, he's a vet of, uh, that pr- project. So we, they had to release bonobos and my sister tell, told me, listen, if you want to come, come with us. So I took a bunch of friends and we say, let's do a trip. And for me, mainly the goal was, uh, to fish and to take pictures for, uh, for the social media and the people who want to see the, how is the Congo and how are the aquatic habitats of Congo? Yes. So, yeah. So the river was on the Lopori River. So it's in the equatorial region where the water is, I don't, I don't like to say black water. I would say red water. Yeah, it's very uh, red, isn't it? What do you yeah, think it's that's red. 
from the 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 soil or from trees or so it's so it's from the so the river the, the, the river bank uh is sandy uh the sand that you have seen in, the, in this picture and it's very mixed i think i have other picture i can i can search of that sand and it's a mix of very very fine sand to small gravel and it was very weird to see that in a in kind of fast flowing river because yeah. we can say that the the river flows at eight eight kilometers per hour per hour so it's fast. quite fast yeah and usually in this kind of of fast flowing river you have the same uh, size of grain for the right. sand so I, that's why I took the picture because I was a bit shocked of the the, the, the composition of it. Yeah. Um, and it's not very usual to see that, like in the Pool Malebo, where the water flows a bit slower, you have uh, medium grain and mm-hmm. and some gravel, but not big as the one of the Lopori River. It, it so, was interesting to see that mix. Yeah, it really is different. I will check if I have other pictures. And so the, uh, regarding the tannins, so something that was a bit special, it's the river, when you are on the river bank, on sort of uh, the place where you have some backwaters with sand, the backwaters almost on the banks are sandy. Oh, and if you, if you walk for three to five meters, then you start to be in, the, in dead leaves. Million, million, million of dead leaves. I think I share the pictures like yes. where on the right you have the sand and on the left you have the leaves. How thick would you say that leaf layer typically is in that area? It, it depends. It depends like a, a couple, lot. Of like the... a meter or more? Like, like that deep? No, no, no. I would not say a meter of no, or, or more. Uh, the place where I took the picture, uh, it was between two islands uh, with a moderate flow, let, let's say around like four kilometers. And something was very weird, where there were no flow, it was sandy, and where there is flow, it was full of leaves. Which and is during the opposite the time, of what you think. Yeah. Yeah. And during the time you were there, the water was rising. And I, we went the last day, uh, and that small beach was no more a beach, and it was full, it was with flow and full of, uh, of leaves. So I, I worked I work it in these leaves. And I think it was like 30 to 50 centimeters deep. Oh, still pretty, pretty deep, pretty deep layer of leaf litter. Yeah. Now, were there, but you of... can go on other parts and you have on, only like 10 to 15 centimeters. Now, were there two, two questions there? Were there aquatic plants mixed in with that or was it just mainly the leaves and, and the branches and things? And were there a lot of fishes in that particular area where the leaves were? Um, 95% uh, only leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only the only aquatic plants I have seen was Nanfea, of course. Yes. Um, some Eleocaris, very long Eleocaris. But for me, it wasn't really Eleocaris because Eleocaris is very thin, and this right. one was a bit a bit thick. But it was behaving, growing, d- doing. All I know about Eleocaris, and we have a lot here in Kinshasa, in, uh, in, in DRC. So for me, it was like a sort of Eleocaris. I have a pictures I will, I will share. I oh, have yes. pictures of uh, these plants. 
Thank you. That's um, interesting. Maybe if I can just come back because you asked me why, and I think it's important in the tint. Why do I think the water is such red? Yes. And not brown. Um, I have, with my friend uh, Thierry, we went on a walk in the, in the forest to take some plants because he likes orchi or or orchidea. I don't know what you say in English, orchidea. Okay. Orchids. Yeah. Or yes. I, I think yeah. it's orchids. Orchids, orchids. orchids. yes, yes. And all and other terrestrial plants, and we were them, and there, and there were it was one plant, a uh, carpeting plant. And I said, "Oh, I will bring back some at my home." So I started cutting with uh, a machete, a square of thirty centimeter and twenty centimeter. And when I took out that square and I flipped it to put it in the bag, I have seen that the roots where it was growing, uh, it was like a compost of uh, dead leaves and it was almost almost red. So I presume that when the water rise a lot, uh, I, I think when we were there, it was almost maximum. I think like one meter more, the water enters into this, this forest, like the picture I've, I've shared sure. today. Yes. And that I think it removes a lot, a lot of stunnings. That makes sense. Have you ever checked, have you ever brought out like a, a pH test kit or uh, tested the temperature or any of the characteristics of the water? Is it something you've done? So un unfortunately, uh, my pH, pH meter broke down just oh, no. before we leave. I had oh. uh, an electronic one that was very, very good, and it broke down just before. Uh, Temperature-wise, the Lopori River was 26 degrees. We had a, a small uh, thermometer, so 26 mm. degrees. And when we, were, we, we went on the Mutoka, the Mutoka is a smaller river. Uh, I will share pictures of the Mutoka River. Uh, the Mutoka was colder, redder. Uh, I think it was... Uh, it was because I didn't bring the, the thermometer on the Mutoka River because we left we left at, at 5 a.m. I oh. missed so much things. Yeah, well. <laughs> and, <laughs> but it was colder. I can tell you definitely one, two degrees colder. So let's say 24 degrees. Oh, and the water, okay. the river is smaller, closer to the, the, of the inside of the forest, and it was redder, more, more red than the well, other Well, that one. makes sense, right, with all the, that leaf and that 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 compost exactly. of leaves. Now, now, did you see a lot of like what kind of fishes do you see? I know you've taken really amazing pictures where you've caught some killifishes and some other fishes like that. What what are the common fishes you see in these little tributary, you know, parts of the river? Um, is there one that that's a dominant species, or are there just a lot of different fishes? So, just uh, to be honest with the people, and so, so they know also. And they maybe will be disappoint, disappointed, but the Congo River is not like uh, the Amazon. Right. On the Amazon, you have a lot of concentration. When I can see all, on, on all those under, underwater videos, it's full of fishes on the Amazon. Congo River and the Congo, it's, uh, there is very, very few. Uh, of course, you have some species that you can see more often uh, we we always everywhere I go I can see uh, Hemichromis uh, elongatus everywhere mm -hmm. I go um, oh, wow. it's on the Pulmalebo on the Kinsuka Rapids 
on the Nsele River, Lopori River, Mutoka River, all the river I went, I've always, always seen Emicrobi salungatus, and not one specimen, like 10 or 20 specimens. We can see them a lot. Uh, of course, you can see Phenacogrammus. Mm-hmm. Then there is the, the debate of, are there any Phenacogrammus interruptus? Are there another species? I'm not enough specialist to say that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's some uh, also some disco distodocus. Oh really? Lot. Those are neat. Fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the size of two centimeters to twenty centimeters, you can see them wow, very amazing. often. I have some, I have some picture of uh, distodocus of uh, Lopori River also. That's a big, big size differential to see those. That's that's neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can have quite very large distodocus. Huh? You can have like 40 centimeters distodocus. Wow. Those are big fish. Um, what, about, what about when you see, you've taken some photos in the past of killifishes. Now, where do you find those? Are you finding those like in little smaller tributaries in the forest or in little like little ponds? Um, or where are you finding those? So the pictures you have seen and the pictures I've shared on, uh, on my Facebook and uh, Instagram, Mm-hmm. They were all um, all epiplates on Achilles, sorry, that I found on the on the in the Pulmalebo. So as I was explaining, you have those sand islands, but sometimes the sand island is quite big, and you have uh, vegetation on one bank on on one side of the the island, and usually. You go there with the nets, you just put them under these plants, you take out, and you have this epipathy, uh, this killis oh, wow. fish. Yeah. And sometimes you'd have pure sand island, and around you have so the, how do you say that in English? The jacinthe. Um, what's the name again? The scientific name? Or. You know those uh, that the, the, the aquatic weeds that you have in Amazonia, that you have. In oh. Asia, that through the purple flower. Oh, um, you know, I, I can think, I, I see it, and I have it on the top of my tongue, and I don't know the scientific name. Same for <laughs> me. I have the scientific name. <laughs> but I, I think most people, when I, they hear the, the, the green weed that grows all over the planet <laughs> with the, the, the purple flower, they know what I'm right. talking about. Right. So they, they come, it's come with the flow, and sometimes it stays around the, those islands and stuck in the sand. And you go there with your nets and you can catch some killifish. Well, you, you know, it, and, and what's really interesting with killifish, do you, do you know which species of Epiplates they are? I know there's so many, but uh, did you ever identify the exact species or? Uh, I'm sure I'm, I will mispronounce. <laughs> uh, a lot of Aphiosemion. If I remember correctly, I had one. It was like with like purple stripe. It was Cavalieri or Cavalieri, something okay. like that. Chevalier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an epiplates species, right? That- this one, I have seen it in Pulmalebo and in Tele River, uh, in quite same uh, condition habitat. Um, and then the other one, I can I can search I can search and I can post it yeah, in on, just be on my curious, on my. Because, because I we... like, like I told, I, I'm not a fish expert at all, and no, I like to, to share. And then people tell me, okay, that's this species and this species right. and this species. Right. So 
it's it's quite interesting. Um, I can catch also some uh, Afrosemian uh, elegant, I think, elegant, something uh -huh. like that. Elegant, yeah, yeah. Um, and some other one. Uh, we have the com common one we call it in French Cap Lopez. It's the yellow oh. and red one. Oh, right. I think Afrosemian Australia. I think that's what that is. I think, yeah, I think like, it's this one. But this one, I. Yeah. This one is more seen um, at the exit of the Pool Malebo in a completely different habitat. Uh, the exit of the Pool Malebo, in fact, is a very, uh, it's a, a, a rocky place. It's a rocky place. And when the water goes down, it creates, it creates small, uh, small pools inside these rocks. And that's the place where you can get this Afrosemion one. Oh, interesting. The I say. Have you have you ever yeah I think so have you ever uh, tried to create a, an aquarium based on that with the little rocky pool like that that would be an interesting little biotope no never I think it could be very interesting in a shallow aquarium of like uh, let's say uh, fifty to forty and twenty high yeah it could be very interesting yeah because that's that's something you don't see every day what um, no and 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 that's the other thing at least here in in the states and just in the hobby in general i don't think the fishes of africa get enough credit i don't think there's enough people keeping uh fishes from africa because i and i don't i don't think people appreciate the diversity of environments that you have just just when you have so many different types of habitats i mean there's all kinds of interesting fishes there but even even in um, in Europe, at least in Europe, it's it's more than uh, than US. Yes. But I think it's simply because of the lack of information people get on the fishes and the right. habitat of Africa. And second of all, you have also uh, since 1960 to today, you have a lot of African countries that had a, had a war or yes. a civil war or problems of. Uh, transports inside the country um, and then i think the last one it's the cost the cost to go and collect this fish the cost yes. to, to storage to, to do a storage in, in very expensive very expensive and then to send it to, to europe and then to us i think it's the main problem and i hope with the, the your channel uh the one with uh Talking with Tay, with Tai, uh, talking with George Farmer and other per people. Uh, if you guys can share the the, the pictures, Absolutely. I hope that that we can have an increase of the interest of African fishes and habitats because well, it's but, amazing. Yeah, and and that's one of the things that that interests me the most, and that's what I love so much about your work, is that I'm fascinated by where the fishes come from. I mean, yes, the fishes. You can find different kinds of fishes all over the world, but there's something unique about the habitats. And when we learn about how the habitats function, you know, you were telling me about how the, the river overflows into the forest. Those are really interesting things to me and seeing how the materials and the soil interact with the water and the fishes that are found there. That's the stuff that's really neat. And I think to, to be able to get firsthand views like you're getting out in the field, it, it's it's invaluable. To, to the hobbyist because um, you're, you're literally reporting from the natural habitat of fishes and giving us just amazing information. And the photos alone are just, uh, again, I'm going to, at the end of this, we'll tell everybody where to find your pictures on Instagram. 
just to stare, stared at your pictures for hours for ideas. There's so much there. Um, and you can learn so much about the interactions of the fishes and their environments. And it seems like in Africa, or at least in, in Congo, it seems like the fishes are really intimately tied to those environments, right? Where the water levels are changing and the environments are changing constantly. Yeah, the, the, but it's, it's, like, it's like in, uh, in the Amazon also, it's changing mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but yeah, the fish are uh, quite attached to their environment and during the, the, when the water rise or low, you can see completely different behavior of some fishes, like uh, the Heterochromis nigro fasciatus, that's a cichlid that I encounter a lot. Interesting. In, uh, the pool, in the pool Malevo, uh, we went in the Kwango region, like we drive for 16 hours to reach a place. Uh, we found some Heterochromis nigro fasciatus. I went to Lopori River, I found some. But in the Pool Malebo, just to come back to the attached to the, the, the environment and the change, you can see, see completely different behavior. Like when uh, those sand islands start to be covered of the water, you have the very large shallow, uh, shallow places of the uh-huh. shallow water. And you can see that there, there, there are a lot, a lot of nests. And they come to breed in that place because the water is hotter. And oh, then when the and then when the water uh, goes goes down, you don't have those kind of habitat. And then you will see those negro these heterochromis negro fasciatus swimming, and they're not in couple, and you won't see any fry, and they and they will stay in a completely different um, habitat. It's oh, not anymore the, the shallow hot water with a bit of flow. They will go uh, behind. A sand, a sand island that have um, a small entrance of water and the water is not clear at all. You cannot see uh, five centimeters deep. The water is murky, dark, mm-hmm. and it's not their habitat when the water is, is high. So yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're quite attached to, their, to, their, to the change. That's really interesting to see that fishes will be found in an entirely different environment when they breed then just you, you, you would think that maybe they would be in the area that they're found all year round, but that's interesting. They go to a very special spot to breed. The other fish I wanted to ask you about that I know you, you took some photos of uh, was uh, Pentadon buckholzai, the, the butterfly fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, knew, I knew you were you were last. Yeah, because those are amazing fish. Tell me about their yeah. habitat. And, yeah. It's a shame that I didn't bring back some, but at least I I can find some in the the Pumalebo. <laughs> but it was the first it was the first for me to see them in the what in the natural in the natural. What what kind of a habitat did they come from? So, uh, I, the only habitat I can describe is the one I've seen that was on the Lopori River. Um, I tried to find them during the day. Unfortunately, I didn't find them during the day. I don't know what they're doing during the day. They're going down inside the branches. So just to explain now, so after that, I will explain how I search for them. So uh, where have I encountered this fish? Uh, Let's say like five to six uh, specimens. Never never together, always separate, like one meter, two meters. It was on the river bank. Uh, never where there were sand, so the the river bank was quite abrupt. So you're going from from the shore 
you go 30 centimeter, 30 centimeter in the water, you have like two meters deep. This wall is covered by uh, very fine roots, bigger roots, and some dead leaves, uh, dead branches. And they were staying inside of, on the surface of the water, of course, due to their, due to, to their, due to their morphology, uh, the surface of the water behind a piece of wood or behind a leaf or something like that, that blocks the flow. It blocks the flow and it stays in place there. Doesn't swim that much, really like, uh, let's say five uh, tail movements every 10 to 20 seconds. They don't move a lot and they wait for a small insect to go in the water and they, they go in directly and they go and they take it. They're very, very, very fast. It's an ambush predator, basically. Exactly. What, what's interesting is that they're, so they're found in areas that are very still or, or at least protected from, from a lot of water flow. Yeah, that it's, it's important. It's, the, the water is, is not still around them. It's just they took cover of a, of a branch or a, a leaf to have some still water. But underneath them or 10 centimeters on the right, there is water flow and, and good water flow. Hmm, that's, that's really interesting. Now, and so just to come back for the, the that was an, at night and during the day, I tried to put my hands in these branches and leaves going like 30 centimeters underwater. During the day, I've never seen one. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. So they, they, they hide during the day, basically. I, I think they hide and they hide quite, quite well. Oh, that's neat. How big were the ones that you saw? Uh, so the big, the biggest one was 10 centimeters to 12 centimeters. Oh, so not, not large. They're not large. No, not, not that large. And the smaller, smallest one was six centimeters, let's say. Oh, wow. Well, little guys. Have you ever kept these in, in an aquarium before? Uh, yeah. When I was 12 years old, I had <laughs> uh, one, one in my aquarium, but unfortunately after few months it jumped off out of the water yeah they tend to jump <laughs> now that's another question i was gonna ask you did you see them jumping out of the water a lot or do they just tend to stay near the surface and they don't need to jump after the insects or do they just wait till the insect uh, no, gets when the water? For, for eating for eating they just wait for the the insect to touch the water and then they they they, they charge uh, it, but it, when you want to I, I i was putting the light so i was like um, I don't know what you say in English. When you have strong light in your eyes, you cannot see, see any see anymore. Um, yeah. I, I was doing that, put, putting the light, and then just going with my hand. No need of net. Right. And when you touch them, they straight away they jump, and they're <laughs> good jumper. And oh, yeah. and they can swim very fast for one meter or thirty centimeter. They they go very very fast. Interesting. No. I guess I guess it's funny. You wonder why they're not more popular to keep. And I guess number one, like you said, it's hard to get those fishes. But number two, mm -hmm. I wonder if because they eat insects, it's hard to get them to eat, you know, prepared foods. And maybe in the in the you know years past, it was hard for hobbyists to get the right foods for these you know insects. And it seems like that would be a pretty easy thing to to provide for these fish. Well, I think I think now with. Uh those dry food that we have, like the small worms, small uh, bug bites. mosquitoes, mosquitoes, larvae, and things yes. like that. I think you can, you can, you can do it. You, you can keep it them quite easily. 
Um, but I, I think they are, they are quite fragile fish. And I yeah. think it might be quite challenging because um, when, I, when we, we, we catch the first pantodon, it was the first night we arrived at 1 a.m. on the camp. And with my friend Thierry, we opened the tent and I told him, okay, let's go, let's go to see the river if there is fishes. <laughs> at two, at two, it was that's 2 a.m. My, that's a fish geek right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we put the light and we saw all those synodontists and those phenacogrammers. Oh. And then Thierry told me, look, the butterfly fish. And we, we catch him with the net. Oh, wow. Uh, we took one, two pictures and then we, we put it back. The next day, it was, it, it was there, the same. It, the same fish? We took it, wow. The same fish. It just and we move. took him with the hands. Wow. And I saw that the tail was the mate. And I tell Thierry, okay, let's put it back. And we'll see if we'll come back tomorrow if he's still there. <laughs> and the next day, it was there. And we, the last wow. day, we, we didn't touch him because there were others. So we, 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 we catch the others. And the last night, we took again that big the the big one of the first day and the tail was so much damaged and the scales and oh so i think they're, they're very very fragile fragile yeah. fish well you know i think also too but but you brought out some interesting interesting observations number one the fish don't swim all that much right they stay no. so maybe they don't need a huge aquarium i mean you need an aquarium with surface area obviously but it sounds like a like a, a shallow very wide aquarium with a good cover would be a really interesting uh exactly. aquarium to keep one of those because they, they don't need a t- tremendous amount of room right i mean that's no no no, no not at all that's not at all interesting. And, and as i told you they, they we keep seeing the same fish every day, so they stay around. That's they don't amazing. move that much. Yeah, that's and do they interact with each other at all, or do they just tend to be alone? I think I have a video. Like as I told you, they tend to be separate. Yeah, one meter, two meters. But at one night when we were uh, trying to film some synodontists, uh, we encountered two pantodon, and they were staying together to film them film them with my GoPro and uh, they stayed together and at one moment I made too much disturbed I disturbed them too much and they separate. They never came back. And that's the only oh, time that's the only time I've seen two two specimens together. Interesting. And then you said you also saw it, and you saw the synodontist. Now, which species do you know which species you were seeing? Was and, and did you see a lot of so, them or was it just a few of them? Uh, so, in, uh, unfortunately, I have not yet uh, shared a picture. I have to share them, I think, I tomorrow because the pictures of the synodontists are in my uh, Nikon camera. And I have not take, taken out all the pictures of the, wow. the camera. Um, I don't know exactly which. I, I, I'm not an expert of synodontists. I yeah, don't know them, them at yeah. all. There are, there are so much synodontists, different synodontists. Interesting. Uh, the, most, the most common one is the small one that... I think it's Synodontis Negro, Negro something. Negro Salatis um, or something like that. Yeah. Exactly. That's the yeah. one of the pool Malebo. It's the, the most common in the hobby. That one was uh, bigger than, uh, bigger than uh, the one of the pool Malebo. Still swimming upside down, but uh, the bottom of the body was brown and the top of the body was something like whitish, yellowish, something like that, like 
almost al- um, albinos. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And they were swimming in small group of six six individuals, uh, very very fast against the the water flow. Um, I've not seen one during the day. Always at night, you arrive, you put the light in the water, and you can see them swimming, swimming around, swimming around. Quite hard to catch with the the nets because they're very fast. Oh, really? And then when we went to the Mutoka River. There is a, a fisherman who came and and showed us a very nice synodontist. It was brown chocolate, uh, milky milky chocolate with black stripes. Very very nice. Unfortunately, it was already dead. Oh. Um, I didn't took proper picture of it, but I have few picture. Interesting. But so there are so much different species, and I'm sure that we have missed so much. Oh, I'm sure so much species. I'm sure. I'm sure. Like scientists, when they start, you know, looking at the species that we are bringing in, they're probably a whole bunch of subspecies that we haven't really identified yet. And yeah, there's a lot. What? What's? Did you ever run into um, the elephant nose fishes and mormyrids of any type? Do you see those? Are they found in the Congo region? Yeah, the mormyrids a lot. Um, I think last year I've shared. So um, you have. You have a lot of different species of uh, of mormid, and when we go on those sand islands on the the Pulmalebo, around the sand island, when you it depends of the season also. Uh-huh. It, it depends on the season, the type of sand islands you have, and how around the sand sand uh, sand, sand islands it is. If you oh, have moderate moderate flow uh, with uh, deep water, let's say. One meter. When I say deep, one meter to two meter. Okay. And you have plants coming out of the island, going in this deep water. You can be sure that you will you will find some more meat, but you need a few uh, a bit of flow, water flow. Oh, interesting. You See, that's with... that's an observation I've not heard before. That's interesting. Yeah, you need. I have not. I have not catch more meat. Maybe. Maybe I've not tried enough. Huh? Another specialist, <laughs> maybe Russell or someone else, will tell. No, me in Africa, I've encountered uh, more <laughs> mead in still water. But the place every time I go, it's the same kind of habitat. It's plants, uh, some deep water under underneath the plants. You go there with your net. You just put the net. You go go up, and you have more meads. You have uh, fractura fish. Uh, you have some epiplatis or some killies, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and different species. And I can remember also when we, I was young. Oh, when I, when I was young, sorry. When I was a kid. Yeah, I'm still young. <laughs> that's why I'm saying that. <laughs> uh, we were going um, to fish on almost at the exit of, of the pool Malebo. Uh, uh-huh. There were uh, uh, a station... Uh, pumping station for water with a pipe going like 50 meters in the, the Congo River. And of course, at certain point of the, the season, all those uh, jacinth, the plants we were talking before with the purple flower, right, get stuck against the, the pipe. Oh. And that was the perfect season to go and fish more mead. And we were catching... A lot, a lot of different species. 
the the small elephant nose that everybody knows the black one right. with the the the, the brownish stripes triangle right. logo. I don't know how do you say. No, no but we right. could but we could catch more meat of thirty centimeters, forty centimeters, uh, golden, yeah. uh, greenish, yellowish, uh, silver like. So yeah, you in the pool Malebo you have a lot of more meat. Yeah, Unfortunately, are... in the Lopori, I've not seen some more mead. Uh, Bombolumene River, not. Uh, Lufimi, also not. Maybe I've not tried enough. Those are interesting fishes, though. We just, we don't, see, you know, they're an oddball kind of a fish that shows up every once in a while in the hobby. And uh, to me, they remind me a lot of knife fishes, which are sort of a specialty fish. Some people like them, some people don't. But the information that you just gave is really interesting because the habitat you're describing is a little bit different than one would expect. You know, you wouldn't, you'd think they'd be in really sluggish kind of water or whatever, but no, it's interesting to hear they're found in more water, you know, with where more water movement is present. Do you ever water water movement? Not, not very strong, but But every time it it was small movement. And every time coverage of plants, every time. Oh, that, that's that's very important. I've never seen a mormid around uh, the sand island swimming just like in the, on top of the sand to go. Never, never. And they're largely nocturnal. You don't see them during the daytime very much. No, you don't see them. Uh, Not at lots. all. Huh? No, that's why maybe I don't see them swimming, and they're swimming at night on those right. sand, uh, sand sand parts. Right. Now, do you ever find any knife fishes? Are there any of the African knife fishes or, there, or, or any unusual fishes like that? Um, yeah, 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 of course. What, uh, what... On that, and this, it's, it's a bit the same habitat than the, than the mormid, but maybe with a bit more flow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, we, 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 have, we have, if I remember well, it's a long time now. Now, now that you made me think about it, it's a long time I've not seen those those those, those knife fishes. Uh, but when I was like 15, 10 to 15, I was fishing a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, I was encountering three three of those uh, African. One was like brown with small stripes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was uh, black, almost not yet black, but more black than uh, than brown and one is silver and oh, always also always also it was the the the, the white the silver one was on the in the in Tsele river and the Tsele river is more like kind of white water and the habitat was along the the river bank with small flow and full of vegetation i remember going with my friend my friend uh, Xavier and our small pirogue, we have a net with, with long stick and putting uh, putting uh, this net under the plants. And then we go up and it was full of fishes. Oh, interesting. So I'm sure most of the people doesn't know if I can find my encyclopedia. I wonder if those knife fishes have been just, are they a food fish? Uh, are people, the people who catch them to eat? I wonder if it's they've been fished pretty, you know, overfished maybe in um, some areas. They don't really catch them to to eat them. Even the kids, when I remember the kids fishing them and don't have any interest in them. Oh, he's thrown back. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, they, 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 some sometimes they throw back. Sometimes they just leave it not with the other fishes they eat. 
Maybe they're just not a very common fish. Maybe they're, you know, they, maybe they're not very prolific. They don't have a lot of, you know, fry, and so there's just aren't that many. That would be interesting that you that you made that. Maybe, but when we when, when we here. catch when we catch some, it, it was not alone. Uh, still, like four or five specimens together. Oh, interesting, interesting. That's that's an interesting fish. Is there a fish or a an environment that you think that that aquarium people should know more about and play play with more and really you know work with is there one that really stands out you think wow people should would really enjoy this particular fish or this particular environment uh, as an aquarium yeah with um with easy to find fish yeah or with rare fish well with yeah, rare, with both. <laughs> either or either or i would say with easier fish to find uh, would be the exit of the pool Malebo that we call Kinsuka. Mm-hmm. The Kins- uh, at Kinsuka, you have rapids. If you want to see very good uh, footage of the Kinsuka rapids, you can see. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to make some uh, advertising. Oh, of course you are. Yes, I would be, uh, I would be mad a... if you didn't. Tell everybody where they could find all your, your pictures and videos. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not underwater footage or thing, but you can see the strong current of the of the Kinsuka, uh, the Kinsuka Rapids. Um, Red Bull, a few years ago, I think like five or six years ago, did a movie called The, the Grand Inga Project uh, involving five um, pro kayakists. And they wanted to, to go on the Inga Rapids that are the most brutal on the planet. <laughs> and for the training, they went on the Kinsuka. And so you can see how strong is the, cur- the, the, yeah. the the flow there and how huge the waves are. So just to come back on the habitat that people should know better. Uh, so on the Kitsuka Rapids, on the left bank of the Congo River, so on the Kinshasa part, you have a, a slower flow of water compared to the main channel. And on that part, you have very nice uh, rocky parts with uh, yellow, yellow rocks, round yellow rocks, very hard ro- rocks. And in these habitats, you can find Phenacogrammus interruptus. You can oh. find uh, Aphiosemion, the Aphiosemion, I told you, uh, Aphiosemion australis. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find uh, some uh, Nanochromis splendid. Oh, or wow. Nanochromis Parilius. Uh, like, Nanochromis Parilius, it's a fish that I think is quite easy to find in the hobby now. Yes, yes. More people and are breeding them. Oh, Nanochromis in general are getting getting better. Yeah. And I think it's a very beautiful uh, habitat to replicate because it's sandy parts and around the sand parts you can do... Uh, you can add these yellow round rocks, but not going high because it's not like with a lot of uh, difference. You don't have very much vertical height. It's more spread. So it can be very interesting. You can do in one one aquarium, two or three habitats. If you okay. manage well your flow inside the water, you can, you can have uh, some uh, nanochromis at the bottom and the sandy part. Uh, if there is one part of the rocks where there is a, quite a lot of flow, you can have some uh, phenacogrammus interruptus. And on the other part of the rocky part, if it's not too much flow, you can put some aphiosemion. 
So you can do in one aquarium, if you have a large one, you can do uh, many bi biotopes. And also in that part, you have some uh, teleogramma species. Oh, nice. And uh, I think, not sure. I'm not sure if I'm confusing. I think you can have some one steatocranus. Oh, those, are, those are really cool yeah yeah those are really they call them buff, buffalo head cichlids or something like that i think that's the common name in the, or blockhead or something like that yeah those are neat fish and you don't see those all that often these days you, no you, know, you don't you don't see them at all you don't see them they're very nice fish with, with yeah. uh, blue eyes and they're a very nice fish i, I like the, the, the yeah of well you know you brought up a couple things there's a there's a theme that keeps coming up in in our talk today is you were talking about a lot of these habitats are, um, and the fishes that live in them are very, you find them based on where you find the water flow, the current. And I think that's yeah. really interesting. We don't talk about that enough. I know I come also from the saltwater side of the hobby where current and water movement is very important. I don't think we talk about it enough in the freshwater aquarium world. Um, and here you just gave numerous examples of how the, the water movement, the flow, influences not only the fishes that you find but when you find them and where exactly you find them and i think that's really interesting that's something definitely worth uh aquarists studying a little bit more um the water flow from where we find our our fishes i find that fascinating and i'm sure if you talk with people of uh, that studies uh Montana or Amazon, that we we'll, tell you the same. Well, Ty, Ty mentioned that when we talked uh, a couple times ago. I've had you're going to be on multiple times, whether you like it or not, Thomas. And I'm going to have you on with Ty, so that'll be fun too. I hope, you, hope you're up for that. <laughs> now, when when Ty and I were talking, I don't know, a few months back on one of the shows he did, he was telling us about how the the current in some of these areas was tremendous. He never expected to find these little tetras in this really, you know, strong current. So I, I just think this this opens up a whole new discussion to me as far as current and how it influences our, our fishes that we don't think about all that much. And I think that's really and, interesting. And how the and how the season influence also yes. on that flow and, and and so the fish's also behavior. It's yes. very important. Yes. And 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 you know, again, the the other thing that is interesting, you mentioned seasonal, which is good, and, and recreating that seasonal current or seasonal lighting conditions so important to fishes and i don't think we play enough with that in the I, know, I know you i know you like it you have an aquarium <laughs> like that no <laughs> yeah you know i'm into that right you, but you know what's interesting too is that again another thing that you mentioned today i sound like i'm summarizing the conversation but it's interesting when you were talking about the pentadon uh how they they don't move all that much and I think that that may be a very good key to keeping these fishes. If you can get a healthy specimen is not disturbing it, keeping it in relatively still, you know, calm water. Yeah. The right kind of an aquarium. And I think that those field observations, that's why to me, the value of what you do, what Ty does, what Heiko Blair is doing, the, the ability to, to go into the field and look at how the fishes are actually living and share that with the hobby is so important the work that you've done is and it's just going to get more and more influential it's so important because people are seeing the actual environment where the fishes that we've kept for years come from and we're finding out more often than not we've been keeping them wrong and i think that's that's interesting and now now that i'm sharing your 
mainly because of you. <laughs> it's mainly because of you. I've created my Instagram page and Good. you have pushed me a bit like Thomas, do it. It's important. And yes, it is. And now, now with, uh, with the time that I have spent the last two or three years doing pictures, um, I think I made a lot of mistakes. Like I don't take the time to film the fishes and I don't stay in the water. I don't, uh, depends also on the, on, on the environment, the place. If you go on the Congo river in the Pulma Lebo, be sure to not, not have any underwater footage because at 30 centimeters, you don't see anything. Right. But you know, when I go, for example, I was on the Mutuka river where, where I've encountered so much, so much phenacogrammes. I didn't took the time to stay still in the water for 30 <laughs> minutes or one hour and, and let the fish come, comes to me. And I think that's a big mistake. The first well, time learning, I went. It's a learning curve, right? I mean. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But, but and I the first time I went to Lac Foix, I didn't took enough footage of uh, fish behavior. You were but, talking, you were asking me if people could do one habitat. I think, uh, Lac Foix, so the river Foix, F-W-A, mm-hmm. it's for me one of the most amazing biotopes in the planet. Really? Not because it's in Congo, but uh, it's unique. It's I'm sure you know the um, Rio Sucuri. Yes, yes. So it's exactly the same depression. It's a karstic depression. It's exactly the same of Rio Sucuri, but Rio Sucuri, it's uh, 700 meters. Uh, Lac Foix, it's 20, 22 kilometers. And uh, 95% of the fishes are endemic to the, to the Lake Foix, Foix due to, to um, a natural barrier of six kilometer long, full of plants, aquatic plants, Potamogeton, that can reach 15 meters long. It's, it's the wow. only place on the planet where... Where they they can reach that that, uh, that long wow. yeah 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 wow. and you can if you want you can <laughs> jump you can jump on the on those plants you won't think it's too dense you can literally walk that's on why. them wow that's yeah amazing. you could you could crawl on them you could crawl on them that's amazing and that's why you have that uh, and those these endemic fish and the water is clear way clear when I I saw the the footage of of Thai in the Rio Sucuri or, yes. or uh, even Chris in, uh, in, in uh, Germany. Yeah. The water is more clear in Foix than those rivers. And wow. the fishes, are, no, it's a, it's a very nice biotope to create and to replicate. Unfortunately, the fishes are too hard to find. Yeah. That's, you know, but that's that for a lot of people, that's part of the fun is trying to find these fishes. But I, but I think what's, what's so important though, is in, in the, until we can find those fishes, learning about those habitats and what influences them. And that's why, again, the stuff that you're doing, the photos, even if you think that, you know, you're, you're still learning how to do some of these things. It's so important to us. I remember the first time you showed me the pictures of the Lufimi river and you took some pictures of the, you know, the, the Anubias growing and the sand and the, 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 the beautiful leaf litter accumulation and, and uh, the forests overflowing. Those are so important for hobbyists because we're so accustomed to seeing, you know, the nature aquarium or whatever, and, and all these contest aquariums with fancy planted arrangements and carefully sculpted rocks. 
and we're missing out on so many amazing things that nature is, you know, creating. And you're documenting this for everybody to see at places that most people will never go. And there's so much there and so much to learn. So it's, I mean, what you're doing is just tremendously valuable. Uh, and that's why I'm so glad you're, you took. Thank you very much. And, I'm glad and, you're doing and, I, and I told you it's because of you now that I'm doing that. I'm, glad. I'm doing that just, just by, uh, by the love of nature. I don't yeah. do it for money or for things like that. Man, some people ask me, no, I want to share a picture or I want to make, put your picture in my book. Uh, how much you want to sell the picture? <laughs> and I said, no, I just want my name to be on it. I just want to share with the people, the, with the, with the, 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 into the hobby. Well, that's and how I told you at the beginning of the conversation, it would be very helpful if the, the people in the hobby could tell me, tell me, look, Thomas, we need more picture like this or like this. This would help me and yes. would also help the, the aquarists. Yeah, I agree. And, and you heard it here, everybody, that uh, Thomas is actively acting, asking you what you want to see more of. And I think that's really important. Hopefully we get some nice feedback because with you having access to these beautiful environments, there's all kinds of sort of re field research you can do for the aquarium hobby. Uh, and, and with your perspective on it and your knowledge of the local area, there's, there's so much to, to learn. Um, I, I think that's amazing. And I'm, I'm glad that you are so, uh, so much enjoying it as well as, you know, learning about it because, uh, what is it they say they like, we, we love to protect what we protect, what we love or whatever. And, and you really love this exactly. area. Is it under any type of environmental threat right now? Is it, is it pretty pristine as rivers go or are there is there development that's threatening the environment there um as soon as soon as you leave kinshasa you have the the, the nature is still quite pristine and that's great good and to hear. not very untouched even even not far from kinshasa let's say 30 30 kilometers from kinshasa you go on the Tsele river and you have a small, a smaller river going on your right. You enter that river, and you can see that you won't see any plastic bottle or anything. And even if you you, you see a small village, and and Kinshasa is what's the largest population in uh, in pretty much in Africa, right? I mean, it, it's like what, almost twenty million people or fifteen million it's, people. It's, something it's, like a, it's a huge town. Really uh, big the biggest one is Lagos in Nigeria. Okay. I think then it's it's Le Caire. It's uh, the, I don't know. We say in English in, in Egypt, Le Caire. Mm -hmm. uh, Kinshasa, yeah, it's a large one. It's like fourteen to sixteen million people. We don't exactly know because since nineteen nineteen eighty six, they didn't do any counting of the the, the population. Oh, the <laughs> <laughs> so we don't know exactly, but uh, people are swimming around. Uh, 15 million, yeah. But what's interesting with such a large city, you don't have to go very far outside and you'll find a wilderness area. That's that's amazing. That's unheard of. I mean, exactly. you don't see that in a lot of areas. Um, some, something also good, but something also good is that uh, the Congo River has so much flow. It's the second on the planet after the Amazon that even uh, when you go uh, after Kinshasa on the Congo River, of course, you will see bottles, uh, plastic bottles and things like that, but it's not done 
that much because it's completely crushed by the, the, the water flow and the rapids in Inga that you don't find that much. Okay, yeah, you find, but not like in India or uh, right. in China in certain uh, rivers. That's good. As, as soon as you are down of Kinshasa, you go on, on a smaller river, you won't see anything. But really? fish concentration is lesser than in Amazon. And that's something, sometimes it's What's... a bit frustrating when you want to fish. Sure, I would imagine. And, and I wonder if it's because the, the current, I wonder if the currents, the very currents that you're talking about have something to do with the distribution of the fish too. Um, yeah. Maybe that's something. A completely different fishes. You have a dimorphic, in French we say dimorphism, dimorphism. Yes. Dimorphic, yeah, yeah. Um, from the fish before, so from, let's say, Kisangani, so on the, the north, to the Pulmalebo, and from Kinsuka to Matadi. The lower Congo have completely different uh, oh, interesting. environment and the species and the evolution. And I think uh, it's the thesis of uh, Melanie Stiazny who is working on it and saying that the Congo River, the Congo Rapids on Inga is a natural barrier that have done so much differentiation between species from upstream and downstream oh wow that's really interesting i mean so th there's enough diversity it's just you, you got to find it <laughs> that's the hard part <laughs> you have to travel I, a lot. <laughs> if you want to do an aquarium for each biotope of you the could. congo congo river only i think i think you need to study aquarium <laughs> that's yeah I, I you could spend a lifetime just doing that and and again that's the thing that's so exciting uh, to me africa in general has been so underrepresented in the aquarium hobby we said at the beginning of the show and i and i and i believe that and like you said a lot of it's people don't understand the the habitats i mean i've learned more in this hour of talking to you about these habitats than i think i've in my entire lifetime keeping aquarium fishes uh about africa that's right to know I, I, yeah, there's just, I mean, there's so little good information that we have, particularly from people that are knowledgeable in not only the fish, but the hobby. Uh, so, so you're really, you're like Ty, you're a very valuable sort of field researcher because you bring your, your native understanding of the native area, um, your aquarium keeping skills and your, you know, observation skills. And I think that's, that's really valuable. And I, I'm glad that we're able to, uh, to have these discussions. So, friends is He's a biologist. I'm not a biologist. I, I'm a financial guy. I'm doing finance. Yeah, he's, he's pretty smart. Hey, you know what though? You gotta, you gotta have your strengths, and and that's part of the fun, though. But we all bring something, and that's what's so important. We all bring something to the table in in the understanding of fishes and aquariums and so forth. And uh, again, just sometimes they say what a, a picture can speak a thousand words. I mean, your pictures exactly. are. Just I, I like I like I tell people I tell this about Ty's pictures and about you know Nicolji's pictures and a few other people study these pictures. Um, again, uh, where's the best place for people to find your your photos? Excuse me, can you repeat? Oh, where's the best place for everybody to to see some of your amazing photos? Uh, I, on the Instagram, on the on the Instagram, on the nature.photography um, it's the the best place for my pictures uh, I, sh I share also on, on Facebook, Facebook Facebook is more with my friends and 
and some specialized group like uh, West African cichlid groups, Epiclatis mm-hmm. uh, group. But most most of the pictures I share on Facebook are on Instagram, and I share more pictures on Instagram than on Facebook. More Instagram is great. It's a great visual um, place to share, yeah. you know, to share pictures. And um, I know that you know when we share your pictures, they get a lot of likes a lot of interest a lot of questions and all i'm very happy to refer people share to my your, picture I, I got Absolutely. new subscribers <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> see that's the thing you need to get more people following you because there's just so much that that they can learn it's just really exciting and, and you, also you deserve compare, credit for what you're doing compared to facebook on instagram i put more uh, specialized pictures like fishes pictures and and yeah. uh Non non aesthetic pictures because on Facebook, I like to show my friends good pictures and things like that. So right. for an aquarist, I would advise to go on Instagram. You heard it here. Go to Instagram. Yeah, I agree. And then we'll continue to share those pictures in our blogs and our website, and that, because they're so inspiring and so much we can learn from them. Um, Thank boy, you for the kind words. Giving me courage to to yeah. do more and better. You have to keep doing more. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're doing that. And and, and like I said, we're going to have you on again. If uh, you're, you're stuck now, you're going to be on multiple times, no matter what you want to do. I'm really happy. You. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to have you on a lot, <laughs> and we're going to have we're going to have you on with Ty next time. I want to have like a little discussion panel. We we t- I talked about that with Ty a couple of weeks back. So you're going to be. Uh, I had a, be- I had a video uh, a video chat with Ty uh, oh, on on Friday. I think yeah, it was on Friday. Um, and yeah, we, we said together, we said we need to do a, podca- a podcast, the three of us. Yes, yes, it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, there's, there's a lot of interesting things we can talk about. And I think this is, this is interestingly enough, it's two years late, but it's, it's, it's many of our followers' first introduction to you as a person. They've seen your pictures, but they've never heard of you. So my apologies for taking so long to have you on the podcast. And I'm glad we finally... No, I think, I think you, you did everything to get me on the podcast. But every time <laughs> I, like, I had something. something to do, I had the corona. And, right. then, and you know, last, last week... I started, uh, I started to, to be sick and I lost my voice and I said, no way. I will tell again, Scott, <laughs> I cannot do the postcard. It's not, it's not possible. And we did it, then though. we missed yesterday. And yeah. yesterday, Ty sent me a message. So you had the podcast he with said, uh, He sent Scott. me a I message said, too. <laughs> Shoot, I totally he's forgot. Yeah, he's following up on me. He's like, hey, did you do get connect and i said uh no we're going to today <laughs> so <laughs> how funny so yeah so we're definitely going to have you guys on together because i think that'll be a lot of fun and i know our audience is going to appreciate that and you know what we're going to do too i'm going to say that in advance uh everybody that's listening to this podcast uh shoot me some questions you know how to reach me but you can reach us on uh, tenantaquatics at gmail.com or you can reach us on our instagram or on facebook shoot some questions that you want Thomas and Ty to answer. And then when we have the show with them on it, I'll save those. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you guys some questions from our listeners. And I think you might enjoy hearing what they have to, to say and ask. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd be a lot of fun. And we can all really learn some stuff. And in the meantime, uh, I'm going to let you go. What time is it there right now? It's, uh, uh, it's, about it's, noon it's here in Los Angeles. Okay, so it's 8 p.m. So it's the time for you to, to wind down for the evening. But we really enjoyed 
having this discussion. Yeah, I had, so I had a very you. good time. I hope that my English voice was quite good enough so people understand what I, I'm saying. Your English is way better than my French, and you certainly don't want to hear me speak in Italian. I took four and a half years of French, and I was able yeah. to get around in Tahiti, but yes, but, but I... Uh, très mal. <laughs> très mal. But at très least mal. English is more important than French in well, the world. So. Think, well, but no, you know, I think they're both important. You know, <laughs> the U.S. passport has English and French on it. So it's an important <laughs> diplomatic. Anyway, yeah. it's so good, to, so good to talk to you, uh, Thomas. And thank you so much. I for, still for have some pictures time. I will share uh, of my trips. Mm -hmm. I, oh, please I'm do. Keeping, I'm keeping some. So slowly, slowly I will release. And, no, as usual, every weekend or every two weeks, I post pictures. That photo dump. That's right. I'm gonna have a few. I'm gonna have a few more of yours that you sent me that I'll share on our uh, Instagram. Yeah, and I think well. the pictures I sent, I sent you. I have not shared them, so you can share. Oh, good. Then, then we have exclusive here, guys. So we're gonna get exactly. those out so everybody can see them. They're they're beautiful pictures. And again, thanks for being so generous with your time and and with your work. And and looking forward to talking to you again real soon. And me uh, too. Again. Have a great evening, Thomas, and everybody out there. Thank you very much for listening to us, and we'll catch you on the next episode or next installment of The Tent. Good night. Great. Thank you, thank you guys, for listening, and thank you for your time, Scott. And I hope next time we're going to be with, with Ty. Absolutely. And I hope that we um, have a lot of questions from the people who are listening. I'll make sure that we do. <laughs> you take care. <laughs> have a good Great. Evening. Thank you. All right. Good night. Bye-bye.